0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Love Unroll Podcast. I'm your host, and I'm here with RJ Adler. Hi, RJ. Hey
1: Garrett! How are you? Uh, it's a beautiful day outside.
0: Yeah, thank you for taking the time to Skype in all the way from Vermont. I really appreciate that. So for
1: podcast together.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Um, so I'm gonna ask you about your background, but before we do that, I just want to tell people that I just came across, as you guys may know, I'm looking for accessible housing solutions for myself, and I just came across this company called Wheelpad because I was looking at tiny houses and a bunch of different things, and I saw Wheelpad come up, and I was like, "This is so cool! I gotta connect with this guy. Have a, we have a good report, I I would think after going back and forth." And getting on a couple calls, and you know, I I really think this story is worth hearing. So, RJ, um, tell me about you know how you came to be in the accessible housing space. What drew you to this passion, and a little bit about your 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 background.
1: Yeah, um, so I uh, I'm from Vermont, uh, and Wheelpad. Is a Vermont-based company. Uh, you know, my path to wheel pad is, uh, you know, probably not dissimilar to a lot of people's paths to whatever it is that they do. Uh, but I, uh, I studied uh, to be a teacher in college, and I taught for a year, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I really didn't like working in schools. So I found my way to working at a solar energy company. Uh, and that was kind of a new industry at the time when I was there. Uh, and then, uh, f- you know, really liked the educational components of, uh, you know, selling a new technology in such a way that it was solving a social good. And that's what. The solar industry is doing, or was doing. Now it's selling a, it's still, you know, solving a social good, which is the energy crisis and climate change. But it is focused on, uh, it's it's not a new technology anymore. People, a lot of people have solar. So I sort of looked and I thought, what's the next market solution to a crisis? And I looked at uh, uh, accessory dwelling units, or the idea of putting a little rental property in your backyard. Uh, quickly, in my research there, I found Wheelpad as a company. They needed some sales support. Um, I was looking for a design team to help build out a company that I was trying to start to build ADUs, and uh, I'm, you know, started working with them, and it became pretty clear that that was going to be my future. So I'm, you know, now three plus years into it, and really enjoying it.
0: Oh, that's awesome! And I don't know if if you would mind me saying this, but not only do you do you do you work with them? But you're you. They also made you a a co-founder, right? For all your hard work, so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, um, i uh, it's it's great to be part of the team, and I'm excited to, uh, you know, it's it's exciting to start something that's big and hard, and it's going to take a while. Um, so yeah. yeah,
0: and that's that's fascinating. And what just in general drew you to the idea of social goods i like I, I like that you said like you're you're drawn to social goods and using it to solve problems or crisis so i'm just curious like what in what in general made you think like it would be nice for my purpose to like use a social good to make money and also help people
1: yeah um i really like sleep and <laughs> uh i really like to be able to you know go to bed at night uh Feeling like I've done something important, and wake up in the morning feeling like I'm going to continue to do something important. Uh, you know, so that just happens to be my motivation. Um, but I also, you know, recognize that the, you know, for better or for worse, the market is the most powerful thing in in our world today. And if there are going to be changes to the way our world works, then using the market to make those changes is going to be a really effective way to do it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate in life to be able to be, uh, you know, to be able to choose what I want to do every day. And I feel like, you know, not to become all Spider-Man on you, but with great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, in order to you know, with that choice, I feel like it's it's only right to, you know, help people do stuff.
0: Yeah, you can never go enough Spider Man for me. I I love Spider Man. If you if you looked at my bedroom, you'd see I have my grandpa paid me um, Spider Man paintings. So I have I have a lot of Spider Man paintings in my room. I'm a huge Spider Man um, nerd, proudly to say that. Um, so I I love that. Yeah. I think you're you hit the nail right on the head. I always tell my audience and I have this personal philosophy for myself that if you love what you do, then it doesn't feel like work, number one. And you you never work a day in your life, as one famous philosopher said. And that's what I always strived for myself to do, because working a job that you don't want to do is not really fun at, at at all. And where you don't feel fulfilled, you don't have a purpose, you could do any job in the world, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't stick you at the core and trigger you as, you know, I I heard someone else say like, that really is not, the best way to spend your time, because the majority of your adult time, when you think about it, is spent working. <laughs> yeah. And like you only get two days off, if at least, for your own personal time, so you might as yes. well enjoy it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're lucky. So,
0: yeah. And so I'm curious. So, so do you, so you know the full story of how, um, Wheelpad came to be, right?
1: I sure do. Uh, so, uh, Wheelpad, the, the idea came, uh, out of a, a traumatic event and, uh, a, a, Man by the name of Riley Poor uh, was uh, in a, a traumatic accident, and that resulted in quadriplegia. Now it just so happened that uh, his godparents were architects, still are architects They're wow. my my business partners uh, uh, Julie Leinberger and joseph sinkata uh, when when Riley was in his accident, he was about to take a new job out. Uh, across the country in Portland, Oregon, and uh, he let them know that he was in this accident and they said, we will support you, you know, whatever you need, you know, you still have a job with us, which was really awesome that that Nike was able to do that. And he moved across country and he said, no big deal, I'm going to find myself an accessible apartment and, and live my life. And live his life, he did, but find himself an accessible apartment, he did not. And he lived in a hotel for nine months while he searched, and then another nine months while he uh, eventually bought a house and renovated it to suit his needs with the help of Julian Joseph. You know, so out of that came this thought, oh, hey, what if there had just been this, this thing that you could have attached to your house and, you know, were attached to a rental building and it would have provided you all of the support you needed, uh, you know, provided you that accessible space. And it kind of grew from there. Uh, So uh, the company was founded in 2015 is when the designing started. In 2017, the first model was built. Uh, 2020 is when I, came and then here we are in 2023 about a year ago we started manufacturing in-house but we still work with uh, contract manufacturers who can help us build uh, more so it's a it's a pretty niche product within the real estate industry Uh, and you know it's it's again trying to see the way that the population is growing and changing and utilize the tools of uh, modular housing to support people as they grow and change.
0: Right. That's really cool. And do you know what, Argy, What um, not RJ, you're RJ, what Riley is up to right now?
1: Uh, Riley is also a podcaster and an advocate. Uh, he's no longer at Nike. Uh, just like any of us, you know, we all, we all grow up and move on from, from different positions. Uh, uh, so, uh, he's Riley's actually, uh, you know, a part of Wheelpad uh, and, and has been from the beginning. So, uh, you know, his, uh, his, I don't know exactly what he does on a, on a day-to-day basis, but you know, he and I chat pretty regularly.
0: Oh that that's okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just curious. Yeah, no. If he ever wants to come on the podcast, shameless plug. Let him let him know it would be cool to connect with him. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that 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 is just awesome that um, you know, this company was just you know, born out of a need for you know their godson and that's just so cool um because it, it it is hard to find accessible. Housing accessible like the only thing I could find that that even is accessible by itself without having to pay for renovations and stuff like that is a hotel it's 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 very easy to find an accessible hotel that can suit your needs, but it's not easy to find accessible housing so um when we were chatting, you told me that there's other companies architecture firms that are kind of um doing. following suit with you or um you want to talk more about that
1: yeah so you know a lot of the the world of uh people building you know modular accessory dwelling units is uh is growing vast and you know a lot of people are talking about it uh you know there's probably a dozen companies or more that if you contact them, depending on where you are in the country, they can deliver to, unto you a house, and you can put it in your backyard and live in it. Now, not as many of those companies are uh, building a model that is truly universally accessible. Uh, and even fewer of those companies can deliver anywhere in the lower 48. and so. Basically it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of concentric circles, but none of them match up completely. Uh, and, and because of that, you know, there's a benefit, you know, so there's, there's a great company called link living homes in Wisconsin. They build modular accessible housing that they can link to a home. And we've had extensive conversations with them because I want their team to be successful. Because if they're successful, the entire industry is going to grow same way we're successful the same way and you know uh, boxable, which is this like really large well funded company uh, funded by Elon Musk uh, that is you know they have their accessible model, which their whole thing is their houses fold out and you can build them anywhere and it's and it's super cool and to have a you know 800 pound elephant in the room like that is, is going to help move the industry along. So, you know, that's kind of from the, the ADU side to the accessible side, a lot of architects are focused on building universally designed barrier-free, uh, as our friend, Mike says, housing. And more and more people are recognizing that this is just better for everybody to have a, a universally accessible space. Uh, so uh, specific other architects that are doing this work, uh, I don't know that I could, I mean, i I've talked to a, a number of them uh, like you know, Lena Menard or um, the Pruitts at the Universal Design Lab uh, you know Rosemary Rossetti, uh, they're they're really great people, uh, and I should have done my homework a little bit more so I could I could list off more of them. They are uh, you know more and more the I'd say the industry is focusing on it as well. So it's it's even five years ago it was hard to find someone that would focus on it, uh, and and now it's a much bigger focus for for the architecture industry.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. And don't worry about. You know, doing your homework or not doing your homework. Like I said, this is just a, a free-flowing, natural conversation. This is just. I just wanted to know your take on it, so no worries. Um, yeah. But that's that's really cool. It always, it was it was great for me to discover by meeting you and discovering, um, wheel pad in general, like that there is an industry f- that exists for this because, it. It's still growing, obviously, as you know, with my friend Mike and everything like that, like, we're still trying to educate people, even um, even you, I'm sure that's why you're doing these podcasts and YouTube and anything you can do to, like, educate people a- about this, but it, it floors me that there the government and other people don't recognize this universal need and that developers and other people don't recognize this universal need because... We are, we are almost 31 years into the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I don't, I think we've talked about, about this before, um, previous conversations, but I, I really don't see progress in the independent living space in terms of the housing and everything. Yeah, we have such a, for independent living and stuff like that, but it, it really doesn't strike me as people are looking to change on their own. They don't recognize that, that this that this is a problem. Um, what, I mean, I I know you don't know why that is, but like, what do you think we can do more of to like, tell them, okay, this is the the issues and this is what you should do. And we can help you to improve this.
1: Yeah, well, I think it goes back to something you said earlier in the conversation, which is that I can find an accessible hotel room pretty easily, but I can't find, you know, an accessible apartment. And that's because the ADA only governs public spaces. It does not govern private spaces. So, uh, you know, a a law like that is, you know, can either be a carrot or it can be a stick. And, you know, in the case of the ADA and public housing, it, it's a stick, right? It says unless you make your, you know, greater than four unit house Uh, you know, accessible, then we're not going to let you use it for your capitalist purposes. Um, There are other bills that are being considered, uh, which are more in the carrot category. And, uh, you know, part of how I spend my days is part of that advocacy effort as well. Uh, So in the last session of Congress, um, there was a bill passed called the Home Modifications for Accessibility Act. Really? It was a, yeah, it was H.R. 7676. And uh, it was essentially a tax deduction for people that made their housing accessible. And it was introduced in the House, but there was never a companion bill introduced in the Senate. And basically the way Washington works, that means it never made it into law. Um, so, uh, if, if a bill is introduced in one chamber and not another, uh, then it, you know, stays in its sort of introduced status, but then it never really moves anywhere beyond that. And it died a natural death, um, at the end of 2022. Well, there's a group of folks through an organization called the National Aging in Place Council that's thinking, gee, we would really like to see legislation like that. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, but we live in a different policy environment. Now, the house is Republican, the Senate is Democrat, so it needs to be more of a bipartisan bill, uh, and we are looking to get a smaller tax deduction introduced as a bill this year in this, in this session of Congress. So, you know, zooming back out to where we were earlier, this is, this would be a carrot approach for private homeowners to make accessibility upgrades to their home, and you know the amount of money that this bill is going to give to an individual is probably not going to be life changing, right? Uh, it's it's probably you know from a from a stand from the standpoint of a of of an incentive. It's it's more similar to the five cents you get back when you return a can to recycle it than when you know than if it was big enough to sort of pay for an entire renovation project. But I think it's just enough that people are going to think, "Oh boy, I can get some money back from the government if I build my home to be to have a barrier free entrance, or if I put up grab bars in my shower, or if I make a roll in shower." Right. So people that are in the process uh it's a it's it's a slow way to get individual homeowners uh you know with their own private funds decision making what have you to to make these kind of upgrades to their home and and that's going to slowly make the existing housing stock be more accessible
0: right so that sounds like a step in the right direction then
1: certainly i mean it's you know the the housing accessibility shortage crisis. You know whatever you call it is is not a problem that's going to be fixed by one simple solution. Uh, you know I think the hope with legislation like that is that you know it starts out with a small tax deduction and then they slowly make it more and more and more over time so it can kind of take up more of a project. Um, and you know the the I'd say. Aging in place, um, and that whole industry right is, is growing and changing in much the same way that the accessory dwelling unit industry is as well. And a lot of the reasons is because they're one and the same, but a lot of the reasons is that, you know, people are recognizing that this is an important thing that we need to do. And obviously, you know, when I say aging in place, I don't just mean for older people um, because, you know, we're all aging. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, some of us, uh, are fortunate enough to meet, you know, to reach a later finish line. Um, the, uh, the, the growth is going to be commensurate with policy changes like this one. It's going to be commensurate with, you know, banks, and insurance companies starting to feel comfortable with the financial, you know, providing the finances and the, you know, dealing with the risk of, you know, what it means to have an accessible home. Uh, it's going to mean, you know, realtors and that side of the industry are okay talking about it. And, you know, having a ramp to a home is not necessarily, you know, a, you know, for whatever weird reason, having a ramp on your home is like, not considered normal in the United States, um, y- uh, your your contractors that are doing the building are going to become more educated about the process, and they're going to say, "No, let's do it this way because future it's going to be better for yada yada yada." So, there's there's benefits to the whole industry that you're going to see, and a lot of a lot of those benefits we can see in a roadmap from other industries that have grown and changed in this way. And I think the last one to have come along is the solar industry where in 2005, if you wanted to put panels up on your house, well, you had to have the time, money, energy, and expertise to do it by yourself, or you had to, you know, have access to those things. So it really just meant the wealthy people could do it. Well, we're kind of in that spot right now with accessory dwelling units, but, you know, slowly there were changes like policies for solar where you got a little tax credit if you put up solar on your house, or there was a company that would do it for you and make it easy, or, you know, a bank put together a special solar loan, or, you know, so there's, there's changes that the entire country is seeing it, that will respond to the crisis, the housing crisis that we're seeing. You know, towns are making their housing laws be more progressive around and their policies be more progressive around what kind of housing you know people can install and it's just moving everything in in the right direction
0: right and that gives me that gives me hope and um it is just crazy that um hopefully with the housing um you know with the housing market in general coming up in terms of actual homes hopefully developers for apartments for those people that you know, don't wish to be homeowners or, or don't wish to, you know, have their own accessory drilling, but they, they figure, you know, maybe I can rent an apartment. Um, maybe those developers will look at what the housing um, side is doing and be like, okay, we can actually design apartment units that without compromising the structure and everything. I think I told you this the first time we talked, but I tore the Apartment complex right by my mom's place, and this lady, this lady said, in order for us to change the way, you would need to do for the bathroom because the walls were very narrow. She said we'd have to change the structure, and my boss would not allow me to do that. I'm like, I don't mean to be rude, but do you think your your boss should have looked at the structure and everything before you built the apartment <laughs> and everything? And yeah. unfortunately, we're just not living in that world where. We're, 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 I mean, there, there's architects and stuff like your, your parent company and people that are doing it, but I don't think there's enough architects, and we need to get more of those architects like, you know, your parent company and like those companies you mentioned and architects that you mentioned that really just think, okay, we need to do this before so that, you know, we're not discriminating against people that have mobility challenges. There's 12% of the whole population in the United States according to our friend Mike, that has some mobility challenge. So,
1: And and the number of houses that are even minimally accessible is 10%. So, you know, there's enough lunch for a business like Mike's or, or Wheelpad or any of the other folks that I've mentioned to be able to, you know, really dig in and solve this crisis to build at scale.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully you and I will be they're right every step of the way advocating and in this fight together because I, I believe we are in this fight together now and lobbying and making the difference so that, you know, people can have a more inclusive, independent, barrier-free living environment. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, RJ, and I really hope that, um you know, you we can fight together to make... Accessible housing, um, more of a common thing for everyone, and really, f- um, you know, make it seem like housing is a right in general for everyone. Affordable and accessible housing. So I really appreciate you coming on, and talking about this.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Garrett. Appreciate being a part of it.
0: Me, me too. It was always a pleasure. We gotta have you on again. Maybe a, you know, continuous guests We'll talk about this offline, but I think I can see a, a future where we have you on as a correspondent.
1: Yeah, no, I'd love that. And if I can say one more thing, sure. Uh, for, you know, folks that are interested in learning more about the way housing is growing and changing, uh, on June 9th through June 11th, uh, uh, check out the Innovative Housing Showcase if you're in DC, it's on the National Mall. Uh wheelpad is going to be there with our sweetpad model, uh but so are sixty other different uh organizations companies, many of them are also bringing houses uh that you can check out so uh you know any any questions about it check out uh hud's website uh or you know of course reach out to us at wheelpad and I can give you more info
0: yep the email and the contact information for r j will be in the show notes, as well as the website for willpad, and I can include all of that um, information that you just mentioned for the showcase. Do you know, before before we go real quick, is there a way for people like myself that may not be in D.C. to, to view that, um, at least the show or anything online?
1: I don't know that there's going to be sort of a... An in time virtual experience, but there is going to be they're they're doing a lot on their website to showcase the different vendors that are going to be there, uh, and uh, you know there's a lot of pictures and videos of each uh, of each vendor. So I was actually just ta- chatting with the organizers this morning, uh, so.
0: Oh, that's really awesome. Well, hopefully, um, you know, I can work with RJ and the people at Wheelpad to bring Wheelpad here. For a, for a showcase so people in Florida and, you know, all, all around, um, you know, the surrounding Miami area can check out this amazing um, invention. That would be really cool if we could do that.
1: And actually, uh, we're going to have, uh, uh, we have uh, some contract manufacturers that we're about to sign up with in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, so, you know, especially for folks that are that are in florida that could be a really great spot to go check out a pad
0: oh well when when that becomes the time we have to have you back on um for wheel pad so we can we can talk about more about this and you can tell people all about it so they can check them out sounds good all right well thank you very much rj
1: thanks so much garrett
0: Adios, course adios, adios amigo